From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. All right, welcome to another episode of the Calvary Life Podcast. This is Eric Wakeling here with you, and I am excited today to continue this whole conversation on worship. And today we have with us two of our worship pastors at Calvary Church, Josh Wathen and Ron Rogalski. How are you guys doing? Great. It's good. You have the old worship pastor and the young worship pastor. (laughs) So Josh is the old one, right? Yes. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. I'm I'm embracing it. Now, before we get too into the serious stuff, because we are we're going to get okay. into this like in depth when it comes to worship through music. But first, yeah. we want to get into kind of some of your history when it comes to Ron and Josh. You have illustrious music careers, and so Ron, I mean, for you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call it a career, but yeah, people might be interested to know that like I did other music other than worship music. I mean, people at Calvary just know me kind of, you know, through services and musicals we did in the past and stuff. But when I was in college, I fell in love with recording. I used to love working recording. And so I had a couple of, <laughs> I used to have, I had a couple opportunities to do like uh, sort of a pro commercial job. So I did a jingle once for a GM car dealership in Canada. That. And that was that was fun. That was in the days before, you know, computers and all that. So it was all like real instruments and all that, except for synthesized trumpets. That was so I, I used to just love doing that stuff. Well, let's let let's let the people get a little glimpse of this. OK, I mean, not a glimpse, but a listen. Right. You okay. found my old yes. uh, jingle from Canada. We have the Eisenbrenner GM car dealership jingle, which wow. is I'm very excited for this everyone is, to hear this. This is like 1980s. <laughs> all right. Here you go. So, what do you everybody think of this? It's so good. Isn't that crazy? Ron? That was so good. good. <laughs> I know that was like all real instruments, no computers, man. Just like playing the synthesizer and wow. real people. And it all feels kind of like somehow like it should be on the Top Gun soundtrack to me. You know, <laughs> like it's got that vibe to it somehow. Like it sounds frantic to me. It's too fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's also probably true. But it was fun way back then. When I like when I was Josh's age, I did like. Uh, working with like songwriters in my church and helping a little bit Christian artists then just making demos and stuff. I used to love that, like writing songs and, and working fun. in a recording studio. I used to want to be a record producer when I was, a, when I was younger. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, but I mean, that makes sense because people that are, have a passion for music yep. and they love the Lord, you get involved in uh, the, some of the best ways that, that music's involved in church, right? Yeah, it was fun. Now, Josh, were, yeah. were you in a boy band? I was, yeah. I would say my music career is probably amidst the likes of Kanye and <laughs> yes. other very top of the... No, not really. Um, yeah, I was in a boy band, uh, both a secular one and a Christian one. Uh, one was in high school, one was in college. Both of them had the same amount of success, which was zero. Okay. Um, yeah, but um, most commonly known now for writing children's songs once That's a right. year. So Yes, yes. Most, most famous for Shipwreck, but we're not going to play people a track of that. We want people to hear a little yeah. bit of your boy band experience yeah yeah. well it wasn't really a boy band experience it was um so i got approached by this guy who was local and we worked together at the same we both did like maintenance and stuff at this community college in town and he said hey man i've been writing some music some country music and i'm not a singer uh but i i thought it'd be really cool to feature you on one of them so i'm like Okay, whatever. I've never done country music or, you know, anything like that before. So I show up to the studio and the producer that he's been working with took his country lyrics and put it to an R&B beat. Okay, okay. And even he was surprised when he showed up. And so we just went for it and yeah, it turned out All right, pretty well, funny. Here, so. let's let's go ahead and take a listen. Yeah. Sweet 
Okay, sweet wow. thing. Sweet thing. He wow. sounds like a kid. <laughs> is, are all those vocals you or is that you and someone else? That's all me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> all me lots oh. of lots of falsettos yeah, it was, was good. fun all right so now that we've completely destroyed all of your credibility yes <laughs> for both for both of you <laughs> let's get into talking about some like theology and philosophy of worship but but even as we do that um even to start with just like how did god first capture your heart with worship through music and then kind of some of what your journey of dedicating your life to that has been why don't we start with you ron like what well, how did god capture Sure. If I can tell you sort of my short story growing up in Canada, my first music was at the German Baptist Church where I grew up. So I grew up in that era. You know, no no drums, no guitars in the church. We had worship with the organ and the piano and just the black German hymnal. So I grew up with that classic timeless hymns of the church and loved that. But then I was a teen during the Jesus movement. You know, the whole thing when Calvary Chapel was exploding here, that also came up to Canada. I I grew up in Canada. And we love that Jesus movement music and love song and Christian rock and all that. So that was hugely impacting to me as a junior high kid. And I was always in the piano. My, my parents really encouraged me in music and all that. So I took lessons. Then more like high school, college, I fell in love with Beethoven. I recognized the amazing art in the classic and the great composers. Mm. And I remember in college once in my piano lesson, just like analyzing the Beethoven piano sonatas and being just struck with awe at seeing the genius of the sort of musical artistry as you study and learn that. So that was so impacting. And then contemporary Christian rock in the 80s and 90s. So that, you know, that kind of music that's really affected me, touched my heart, enabled me to connect in worship in the church. Hmm. Uh, was just so impacting. And, you know, 80s, 80s music can sound corny now, <laughs> yeah. but in that era, right, there was that sort of bridge from, um, you know, the old, old sort of church music uh, into, you know, what we called contemporary Christian music. And, right. and that was huge. It's impacting and a new voice for worshiping God. So that captured me. What was your first job, I guess I should say, you know, in the sense of working in a church for yeah. worship through music? Well, it was be- come before Calvary. Yeah. I graduated from high school, 79. I went to Bible college right after high school. That's where I met my wife, Linda, and lots of great music experiences there. I did a little recording. And then I went on tour with a music group called New Day. And it was through that tour we ended up in Sacramento, California, and the youth pastor who I sat next to at lunch, I guess he saw something in me, and he invited me to come be an intern in that youth program there to do youth choir and lead singing for junior high and high school. So that's how I started. Okay, that's Um, great. And they paid for my schooling, so I did my schooling at Cal State Sacramento. Okay. So long story short, I was there 15 years, and I went from intern, $50 a week, to full-time assistant, basically assistant worship pastor, okay. and was mentored by the worship pastor at that church, and that and that's when the call from Calvary came, in 1996. Uh, that's awesome. That's so, awesome. Okay, so, so that was kind of—do you always remember, though, like, you and God connecting through music, you know, or how was that sort of thing between you and the Lord? Absolutely. I'd say one first thing that comes to mind, you know, just like certain watershed moments. I remember the Christian Artist Music Seminar in Estes Park, Colorado, summer of 1981, and I saw live Larnell Harris and Sandy Patty sing, you know, a classic contemporary worship song called He's More Than Wonderful. Okay. Um, and it's just like soaring, awesome, you know, text and impacting music about the glory and wonder and beauty of Christ. Hmm. And somehow more than just an emotional experience, I can still remember that sense beyond just emotional, being impacted by music of having like spiritual vision of the reality of the beauty of Christ and who he is, his Hmm. character, you know, so that's like. You know, yeah. I remember that so many years later. It's a part of helping you connect with God. And it's like some, some vision of who Christ is has come, you know, ushered through music like that. That's awesome. You know, that was one moment. Cool. Well, how about for you, Josh? Like, how did God first capture your heart through music? I know family you grew up in, right? It was pretty yeah. musical. So um, essentially when I was really little, um, my I guess the way my parents identified my musical gifts pretty early on is when there would be a song playing in the house and I would have a rattle and I'd be beating it on the table and then they were like, oh, this kid's on beat. (laughs) So they got me my first drum set at two years old and I started playing uh, at a really young age, Uh, just did random talent shows for my church here and there. And then they actually started letting me play in their main service uh, when I was in sixth grade, which was 
really significant um, just because there wasn't a whole lot of young talent coming out of that church just mm. because of the small size of the congregation. But um, they recognized the giftings and took a chance on me. And I like I was decent, but I definitely had a lot to learn just about playing in a team dynamic because all I'd really done, you know, I grew up. Uh, my dad was a huge like Christian music of the 80s fan, I guess. And okay, so I, cool. I grew up playing drums to striper cds and all yes, of that kind of yes, stuff yes. and so um i was you know mostly in tune with like playing rock music on the drums or whatever so learning to play worship music not just by myself but in a team dynamic was such a such a cool experience for me and um took a took a while to get that down um but that as the years went by i started developing my singing voice and i got the opportunity in eighth grade to lead worship for my youth group for the first time and hmm. guys it was it was terrible yeah. um my first my first <laughs> worship set ever was how he loves by david crowder and at mm. the cross by hillsong and it mm. it it was terrible like very nasally <laughs> just i don't know how i got through that i just played on a little old squire mm. electric guitar with no effects just plugging in clean mm. and yeah it was not good but made it and thought oh that's pretty cool i i enjoyed that what and, was let me interrupt you real quick like what was for you though in eighth grade what was sort of being a person in the crowd singing what like you know how were you really feel like you connected with god a lot through music already at that point yeah or were you kind of learning that a little bit more then yeah just having grown up with music as a as a big influencer in my life that was a way that i always connected to god through that i mean i had always believed that that was a a specific way that he gifted me from super early on and so didn't know it at the time or didn't recognize it, I guess. But as I would play the drums or play different instruments or sing or whatever it might have been, that was my offering of praise Mm. to the Lord. That was the way that I best knew how to worship him in a skill set that was familiar to me. And so always like growing up in church, I looked up to the people on stage and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. They get to use, you know, musical gifts to, you know, lead people to a better understanding of Jesus. And I always thought that was really cool. And it wasn't until freshman the summer after freshman year of high school, where I really just had a bad year. And I went to this summer camp and I heard the testimony of a worship leader, uh, who is in the Midwest and he just shared his journey and I was really inspired by it. And so I actually got a chance to like pull him aside and like ask him questions. And he talked to me for like two hours just about his journey of worship leading and being a Christian and all that. And I just Mm -hmm. thought it was really awesome. And it was in that experience that I like realized, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm inspired by what this man gets to do uh, for his life and for his calling. And that's what I want in life. And so ever since then, freshman year of high school, basically I knew what the Lord was leading me to. It was just a matter of when and where and how I was getting there. Yeah. Okay. Great. That's so interesting. It's different for him. It's like, you knew like way younger about being a worship pastor. I never even dreamt about being a worship pastor when I was your age. I want to be a record producer and love (laughs) writing and recording and all that. But I look back, I can see now that God used all those experiences, that experience in the church to draw me into ministry. And when the call came from Calvary, you know, saying, hey, we need someone with an appreciation for the old and an understanding of the new. Right, right. And recognizing how I had my feet in both worlds, mm-hmm. sort of growing up with the hymns and the classics and all that, yep. loving that, but understanding Christian rock to yep. a degree. Exactly. It's like, you know what? It's like, God, I didn't realize it, but he's like leading me. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. interesting that you bring up having an, having an appreciation for the old and a love for the old, but also understanding the new, because I didn't really learn, you know, coming from a, you know, growing up in a church that I would say in terms of music was slightly behind the curve of where most contemporary mm-hmm. music was going. I always, you know, would look at these other churches and what they're doing. I'm like, why can't we do that? And I would just have this like mm-hmm. really just desire to bring a new sound into our church, mm-hmm. but like was never able to do it. And so, you know, coming out to Phoenix, which is where I kind of started my journey into pursuing ministry, you know, choosing a major, I was worship arts major, and then pursuing a mentor, a worship pastor mentor out in Phoenix. Uh, It was actually my mentor, Justin Unger, who, Mm. you know, through being under his leadership, you know, he has a huge philosophy on uniting the old and young together and singing and worshiping together in spirit and in truth. And it wasn't until 
going through that mentorship with him and him teaching me all of that. And here's how you effectively unite the entire body together through singing and through worship songs that I actually developed. Oh, okay. Like there's more to this than just singing songs about God or to God. Like there's, there's a, you know, there's a relational component that happens Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's get into kind of some more like along that kind of line of thinking as, you know, we're continuing this conversation on, on worship and, and yeah, and we're honing in on worship through music. I mean, that's the the point of this discussion. We understand that worship is like, is a broader issue, but like for here and now we're talking about worship through music, through singing, all of that, like, Give me a sense of uh, maybe your perspective on a theology of worship. Like, what's the point <laughs> even of of singing these songs to God? Who wants to go first on that one? <laughs> well, okay, I'll start. Josh is looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Come out of the bathroom. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, this is such a huge question. I mean, this is what people write books on. So, I mean, right. boy, oh, boy, for this conversation... Um, what I would what I would say just for this conversation is okay. What's perspective? I think just it, just think about what God worship is something that God gets from His creation. It's what He it's what He deserves, what He gets, what He desires. Everything um, that He has created is for His glory, His glory, right? And yeah. so I mean, theology of worship. I mean, it's an, uh, us as humans as His creation of course crown of his creation it's like our worship our life our surrender to him our devotion is is what god deserves and what he desires and and of course it's for us to give yeah absolutely quickly that's you know that's that's kind of my view in everything that you do and as it relates to music if you're trying to just connect it more with music i mean music is such an art that connects with at every human being's level right the worldwide cultures varied music and all that i mean such an amazing art that touches the heart of every human yeah and so it's like what a vehicle that god has given us as a way to express the acknowledge him hmm. agreed what do you think about some of that josh yeah uh just kind of piggybacking off of that um mike cosper actually wrote a book called rhythms of grace um and the theme of the whole book is how the church's worship tells the story of the gospel. So as much as we talk about being ambassadors for Christ in, in our preaching and our evangelism, like we are just as much ambassadors for him in the way that we worship. And there's a particular part in the book where he breaks down this concept called worship one, two, three. And essentially what the idea is, is that we have one object and author, which is God. And then we have two contexts, which is worship scattered. So our own Mm -hmm. personal worship and then worship gathered, which we would see more in a church service or a gathering like that. And then we have three audiences. Uh, The three audiences are God, the church and the watching world. And it's interesting. This concept about three audiences is because we, I think a lot of us are familiar with this phrase that gets passed around of, oh, our worship is for an audience of one. Mm -hmm. And while that might sound and look really good on an Instagram post or something that Mm -hmm. even, you know, somebody says, um, biblically, we just see all over that that's not true. I mean, Paul talks a lot about how we sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to one another. And that, you know, even in the psalms for the watching world portion of that, proclaim his greatness throughout the nations, I think is Psalm 96. It says something to that effect. Right. So it's just really interesting to break down how, you know, our worship, yes, obviously, first and foremost, we want to honor God and we want to glorify him. But at the same time, the worship is just as much edifying to the church body and to the world around us as yeah. it is to glorify yeah. him. Right on. Yeah. Isn't that like, um, I think that's such an interesting thing to think about. Like if we hone in on that a little bit of, yes, we have these three audiences, right? So to God is, is obvious, mm-hmm. right? Of course we're singing to God and we're, we're worshiping him. He's worth it, worth this, this sense of that, that worthiness that he has, he deserves it as you're saying, Ron. And then, but then the same thing of one another, like how does that actually how how do you see that sort of play out? Is that in some of like maybe of the more these songs that have uh, descriptions of like the gospel story? We sing actually a lot of songs, I think, that kind of tell the gospel story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or these, you know, we, people like to think of especially like older hymns as having this rich doctrinal theology in them. Whereas I think there's some new songs that do and some that don't. Yeah, of course. I, I'm pretty sure it, with the old hymns, 
there were some that did and some that didn't. And the ones that have stood the test of time are the ones that did. So now we think it was all of them, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but anyway, like, is that how we speak? We sing to one another. Or what do you think about the singing to one another a little bit? More? I think it's, in, yeah, in, instructional. Like, like you, you referenced that passage, singing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And mm-hmm. I think like singing worship songs expresses sort of the value and, and you know, the, the image of who God is, who Christ is, and speaking of, you know, developing, you know, becoming the image of Christ and to sort of express that truth in a song, especially in a corporate worship gathering. It's like we sort of tell, tell each other the vision. It's like admonishing and encouraging one another with, with the truth of who yeah. God is in the life of Christ and all that. So I like how we can sing both like to God and, you know, about God. About you know, God. Sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes people, com- you know, comment or complain about songs. Hey, we, you know, it's too much about like, we should be singing to God or just about God and not just not about I, like about my my experience. But it's a blend there. That's both like to express who God is, what he's doing in us or like sort of a testimony, like to express what's in your heart. Um, even in the corporate setting is a part of what expresses the vision that others can mm. hear. We, I don't know. It's instructional. encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a good example, just a modern example of this idea of singing to one another. There's a song that Hillsong actually recently released called good grace. And there's a snippet in the song where it, it's literally telling each other, don't let your heart be troubled. Keep your head up high. God is madly in love with you. Remember where your help comes from. Just this song of, sharpening the the body yeah. sharpening each other and i think as it relates to our context here at calvary i mean we you know for i don't even know how long i'm guessing it was like a decade we were in this place where we had our services divided by style and preference and so now mm-hmm. we're yeah. in this you know for almost three years now we've been in this process of reuniting the church as a whole and i think we've you know we've done good so far but i think we're still in this place where a lot of our worship is still, it's very, um, it's very vertical. It's just us and God, us and God. And I think we will start to see ourselves uniting more once we start turning inward a little bit and even speaking and singing into one another's life, um, yeah. you know, as it relates to scripture and the is, gospel. Isn't that partly why we like to, sometimes we comment even in our meetings about like, oh, we want to sing the song like we yeah, like like the song, the creed, right? We sing, mm-hmm. "I believe," mm-hmm. and then we also like change the lyric to sing, "Like we believe in God the Father." There's, mm-hmm. Totally, there's something yeah. about that that sort of unified expression. Right. It's That's interesting cool. how, even though, it's interesting how the way we are raised or our experience affects like the way we perceive things like that. Like, so for me, yeah. I know the scriptures well. I'm the one up there often preaching about how it these songs do say or or these scriptures versus say singing them to one another. And, and like, this is in the text, but then I, I still kind of struggle with that's weird. Like I'm supposed to sing these songs to God. Like that's the whole point of worship. So I still kind of feel this like in my guts reaction against it, Hmm. even though I know it's true. And so I think like, that's a thing right there. What was happening with me is a thing for everybody when it comes to a a whole host of issues with worship, right? Like, (laughs) you know, that we, even if we know something is biblically true, our experience hasn't matched that. And so then we're kind of like, that doesn't feel right. And I think that's an issue with preferences and songs, with style of music, with all sorts of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know, because yeah. don't you guys ever just think it's like seems weird to just like, am I supposed to turn and like sing this song to my neighbor or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's like it's probably a little easier for us well, on stage because we're we literally are looking at the body of yeah, believers before yeah. us. You know, like a lot of people, you know, in the congregation, it's very it's very personal. Eyes are even closed a lot of the time, which yeah. that I can under even being a congregational worshiper when I'm not on the stage or whatever, I can understand. Yeah. It, it's weird to like turn and sing to people. But, um, I think, you know, we, even as leaders kind of get an experience of singing to one another as we look into the eyes of the people that we're leading and, you know, proclaiming these truths to them, like almost encouraging them. Like, yes, it's, it's to God, but also it's to in- encourage the people in front mm. of us. Yeah. I guess I don't, I don't, th- Think it, it would be weird in my in my view it is to like sing to one person like you're looking at that one person <laughs> sing to them that was weird so there is this element of God is madly in love with you yeah 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 
Yeah, so just that sense of uh, you know speaking to one another, but it's like it's collectively, you know, it's yeah. like our church family, our body together. Yeah, allowing these words that we're singing out. It's not like we're having to sing an ode to someone next to us or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. but what what is what's been some of the road of of like for you? What has influenced your thinking about worship? You know, has there been certain influences over your time uh, of doing this? Um, A couple things come to yeah. my mind, like just like globally just the cultural impact of music. Like I remember going to Albania, seeing our sister church there and, and hearing from missionaries, how contemporary or like say modern worship music is like, is like an international language of the church in a way mm-hmm. that transcends all, all the languages. Like, of course, every culture has their own music and worship songs, but there is so much Western or American worship songs and music in the last decades. That's in all over the world. So I don't know, it's just, it's fascinating to me how they're that mix of m- music, magic and impact sort of emotionally as an art. And you mix that with the truth of God's, God's word and God's truth, and then mix in the power of the Holy spirit in there. There's an amazing thing that, that God uses or yeah. affects through, through music. So to me, and, and I, another thing that's affected me in thinking about this is how, like, for music making, every human being has an instrument. Like, and that's your voice, right? right. That way we're all sort of unified. I mean, to have a musical gift to play an instrument and all that is somewhat unique. Not everybody can do that, right? Yeah. But everyone has a musical instrument, yeah. right, to express and to make music. It's their voice. And it's so there's something unique and special about all music making in the, in the world, something unique and special about singing. And yeah. uh, unifying us in in singing because it's something that we can all do that touch on that that art hmm. and connection with God through music. Yeah, That's and behind cool. that idea of everyone has a voice, everyone also has a testimony. I think one of the huge things that's influenced even my view of of worship and and God and the gospel is even just being around different songwriters and seeing how different people creatively express their testimony of God's faithfulness in their life. And I think. The, one of the biggest ways that I've been sharpened by that is just like, I think it's, it's easy to get in a rut when you're just constantly focusing inward and in what's going on in your own life. And you think, oh, I'm not making as big a strides or, oh, I'm not growing as much. But then, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about community and being in a church of believers. If you lean into it correctly and actually talk to people and engage with people and listen to their stories, you have testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness on a weekly basis that you're being exposed to. Um, that enhance our our view of of his faithfulness and his goodness. Hmm. That's cool. That's interesting. So, okay, another question, just kind of as we as we just keep this sort of journey of thinking about about worship through music. Um, you know, we've talked a lot lately, and we've talked on. Well, we've definitely just talked on this last episode about this concept uh, with Robert, and we talked, you know, because at least for me, Robert Carter was actually the first one to kind of give me some of this language, uh, was this language around realigning our hearts, mm. um, that worship is to realign our hearts to be more in line with God's heart, right? Like we get off track, you know, even kind of Sunday worship, we, we sort of go through the week, we're getting all sorts of temptations and all sorts of stuff that's kind of getting us off and just busyness, whatever. And then a Sunday morning worship experience kind of helps realign me back in line with God's heart. Like what, you know, for you, how have you resonated with that kind of like one of, as that being one of these main things that we, the way we think about worship here at Calvary? I say a hearty yes. <laughs> yes. Like I, I love this way of thinking of it, realigning because it, as I think about this, realigning our hearts to God is really what the sanctification work is in us. This work of God to grow us into Christ's likeness is is making us, our heart, our uh, the life of Christ in us, more like Him. Right? Yeah. Like remember, Jesus prayed for us that we would uh, that that His disciples would be one uh, as as He is one with the Father. So, and I think in spiritual formation, uh, things that I've read and looked at. Um, understanding how the soul's destiny is just union with God, and so this oneness with God is is very much exactly what what Christ is doing in us, yeah. right? Changing our heart and changing our our desires, our purifying our heart through the sanctification process through all our life to become one with God. So I think this idea of realigning mm-hmm. that's that's a great word and a great way to understand it. So I know we're in process; we're not perfectly realigned totally. with God in our sanctification, but worship and what we do corporately is like 
moving us that way. We're helping. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. I like that thinking of it on those lines of that oneness of Christ and the Father and that him his desire for us to have that same oneness with him. That's cool. And that seems like because I always think of this thing with, uh, and then I'll, you talk to you, Josh, I promise. But like, I, I think of this thing as these, if people could imagine two parallel lines. And a lot of times we talk about the two parallel lines thing with sin, that if you take one of those lines and you have to like imagine it, you have two lines next to each other and one just gets off course a little bit, that if you extend those lines for a thousand miles, they're eventually going to be even farther apart than when they started. Because even if you're just a little bit off. And so that's what worship mm. is. I think you've got these two parallel lines and we get just slightly ticked off, like, you know, over one little bit and then we're moving farther away, but worship helps, helps realign us to that, you know, in being lined up with God. And what do you think about this, Josh? Yeah. I think where oneness can become an issue for people just walking into church on any given Sunday is people think they have to arrive to church put together mm-hmm. and you know, they, they think they have to be in this place where they are already one with God. Like I, if I'm going to enter into worship, I already have to be, you know, that parallel line that's running right alongside God. And that's just not true. And I think one of the main things that I love to try and communicate as often as possible from the platform is, Hey, don't leave your baggage at the door. Cause that's another cliche saying that people have adopted over the years. Like, all right, we're going to come in and worship. We're going to leave everything at the door and we're just going to worship God. And I just, frankly, I just don't think mm. that's what he wants us to do. He, he wants us to invite him to be in our struggles, invite him to be in our brokenness. And if we're leaving our brokenness at the door and not bringing it to his feet and letting him deal with those things that need to be dealt with in our heart and in our life and the things that need to be surrendered over to him. I don't think that true oneness will ever be complete. And so just reminding people that it's okay to come in here broken. That's that's why you're, that's why you come here to yeah. be realigned, to be restored, to be reunited with the father in whatever ways you've been separated mm-hmm. in the week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I definitely like, I've heard you say that like a few times. I think I've even like tried to say it once or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. maybe like, give you a little smile. Like yeah. I'm saying your line, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I do love that concept too. Cause it's one of those sort of like, um, a thing, like a, a, a saying with these like good intentions. It's like a well intended saying of mm-hmm. leave your bags at the door, but really it's like, okay, no, yeah. Like, yeah, let's bring all of our junk. God wants that. God wants our honesty. And you know, yeah, that's yeah. True. so I like I that. that. I, I think that is part of what realigning is too, that as we do that, we're that oneness, that, bringing all of who we are and what we've experienced throughout, whether it's throughout the week or it's throughout, if, if we're talking about some sort of personal worship in our own scattered time during the week that, yeah, it's like those moments can realign us mm. to God as well. We don't have to wait for Sunday morning for it or you know anything yeah. like that. And I like how you say it was just a tiny tick. Like, of course, yes. if you go a thousand miles, you get really far from those two lines, yep. but a small adjustment can just can help even min- minimize that right yeah so it's like hey even just our time together think about corporate worship if maybe maybe you feel like it okay the sunday didn't make much impact in my life or you know was it really totally. worth coming but mm-hmm. maybe there's small adjustment that maybe you don't even see or understand but mm-hmm. there's there's that good work going on in us you know yeah. to realign I, I like wholeheartedly agree with that because i think that's huge and i think that's huge even for everything that happens on a sunday morning whether it's a sermon you know, cause people always say, Oh, do you, you don't remember the sermon you heard from 10 years ago, you know, that kind of a thing, but you remember whatever, like the thing that they're trying to sell is the most important is. Um, but like at the same time, you don't just remember the, like the breakfast you had from 10 years ago, right. but you needed it to be alive. <laughs> that's right. doesn't yeah. minimize its value. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right on. So that's, that's a neat thought. Yeah. Yeah. So whether it's like a sermon or a time of worship through singing, whatever that is. Okay. So we've got you, you, the two of you have one of the most, as, as you've mentioned, you have a really unique perspective when it comes to worship, when you are on stage and you are, you know, as you said, you are out up there singing these songs and the rest of us are all out in the, in the crowd, but, um, you have this chance to kind of look out and see, um, what's, what's going on out there. And, and as you do, I'm just sort of curious of like, how can someone be a good worshiper? Like mm-hmm. how can someone be a person who is doing that? Or even like, <laughs> what does a good worshiper mean? I mean, do I have to be singing on key? You know, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, 
just kidding. <laughs> we hear you every week. Yes, I know. <laughs> Front row. <laughs> mm. No, but what do you think? What yeah. do, how, how, does, how can someone be a good worshiper if the people are listening to that? I'll give a two, quick two-word answer that, that yeah. comes to my mind. I would say is being engaged and not spectating mm-hmm. at a real simple level. Yeah. A good worshiper in the corporate setting is 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 with us is 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 singing is listening to the message like but it's so easy of course to spectate you know right. especially in our culture and even in what some of the physicalities of our building because we're sort of you know you sit like you sit in a theater and all that right but um so like to be engaged with it and not spectating i think is good first steps to be a good worshiper yeah, yeah. i think even just in an internal portion of that like being engaged but also recognizing how what what are the ways that you're engaging um i think a good question i even like to start with asking myself is where is my heart at in this am i because i think a lot of us have a tendency to walk into church with this mindset of what can i get today kind of like we were talking about like oh i didn't get much from that church what can i what am i getting out of this and i think that might be the wrong mindset to have i my my mindset that I always try to have, even when I'm leading, is what can I give? I come to church, first of all, being what what's the best offering of praise or worship that I can give to the Lord today? And secondly, how can I set the best example of a worshiper to my brothers and sisters in the room? And mm. I think if our whole church and the church at large came in with that mindset, mm. I, I have to wonder what kind of, and because that's where it starts to bleed out into, okay, it starts with you know, the church audience and then the world around us watching sees a united church of people saying, what can I give to the Lord? What can I give to my brothers and sisters? And that's where the world really starts to take notice and be like, wow, there's something different about them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. So we prepare ourselves kind of put in some of the things you're saying, like we've, we, we come into this like preparing, even if it's just in the moment as you're kind of sitting down and getting there, you're just okay, Lord, like what, you know, what can I bring? Like, where am I right now? <laughs> like a little bit of self-awareness and you might be at a place that's like a lot of junk happening and like to, but to just to bring that openly and honestly, and then be in it. Don't just sit and watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do, you can notice, I mean, I can notice like there's people who you can tell when someone's engaged and you can tell when someone's like arms are folded They've got kind of a grouchy look on their face and they're like, you know, Mm -hmm. their mouths are completely sealed shut, eyes wide open. Doesn't mean, you know what I mean? They're not, your eyes have to be closed, but it's definitely as sort of unengaged as you could possibly be. Like we can see that. Like that's, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's like, I don't know. I just, I get people are coming from different places. Yeah. Yeah. And the statement I've heard made before is, oh, I don't want to be inauthentic in my worship to God. Like I want to actually, mm-hmm. I want to have a good heart. Of it. And I would say, I don't think mm-hmm. you have to be inauthentic to be a good example of a worshiper. I think the best example of a worshiper sometimes is the person that with every ounce of their being does not want to be there and does not want to be singing the words, but still chooses mm-hmm. to do it anyway, mm-hmm. in spite yeah. of like, even out of their circumstances and like taking that physical act of faith and that step of faith saying, God, I still choose mm-hmm. to worship you, even though every part of me doesn't want to Mm -hmm, right now. mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the most authentic, you know, type of example we can see is the people who don't actually want to be there in that moment. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, You're talking about the heart, right? It's a posture of the heart. And we know scriptures are clear how God, right? God sees the heart and he is pleased. What pleases him, right? Is a pure heart. So it's, it's not so much the things that are physical that we can see or good singing or good music or how nice it looks in nice lighting, whatever. Right. It's like, that's the perform performance like maybe nice and good and all that but that's it's like god is not impressed with that right what pleases him is what's invisible to our physical eyes so it's like yeah and we bring we bring him like the like we want to bring him there's it's weird it's interesting because it's kind of like both right like there's a level of like we want to bring him this beautiful gift bring him our best bring him our best yeah but then it's always it's I think where it kind of can get messy is like what is like what does exactly, best mean right. you know <laughs> right remember King right King David saying not going to offer to God anything that costs me nothing right, right. so that sense of want to sacrifice we want to bring our best and all mm-hmm. that yeah but it's also true that you know I don't know we can't really I don't know that we can impress God with our amazing things that we can do musically or visually or yeah physically. Yeah. I've been having this funny, you know, I've had this strange experience lately because I've had this issue with my voice, right? Mm-hmm. And so just to kind of share this even with you guys and everybody can listen in, but like it's, I've had this issue with my voice and if I'm preaching, especially I'm like, 
I'm supposed to, even the doctors and stuff have said, okay, don't sing, you know, a lot before you get up there because you need to be like taking care of your voice. They encourage me, don't sing at all. And so then I'm just like, uh, and I'm realizing it's funny, like how much it's almost like me singing and like the way, like the, the sound coming out of me has an impact on my engagement with it. Like when I just try to mouth the words, it's like not the same. same. (laughs) It's it's So it's a, it's kind of an interesting thing, but then where I sit in the room too, is I sit right next to where the sign language folks are. And I've sort of like, um, so we have, if people don't know, we have American sign language in the front, like every service. And I've like sort of started to try to like do some of it, like follow along with the, the sign language. And it's actually been kind of cool, but I feel super weird and embarrassed about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's actually helping me when I can't use my voice to oh, yeah. feel engaged in it still. Interesting, but there's a physicality of it, like just to do something mm. with your body. Is yes. Yeah. There, so I felt mm. like without being able to actually vocalize the words, I felt less engagement and less, um, it's, or it's sort of like been harder to be like in it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then, um, but then doing some of that, like a little bit, like my like pseudo sign language has <laughs> helped. It's, but I don't know. I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know if you guys even have thoughts about just how singing helps you connect, you know, the actual words. I know it's a random question, yeah. but like, do you feel yeah. more connected or less connected if you have, if you're just sitting there, sometimes I'm in a different mood, you know, but yeah, I just having had multiple, I get multiple, multiple seats in the house, um, over my, you know, history here at Calvary so far, like I definitely notice a difference between when I'm, you know, leading the song and singing out strongly or even playing the drums because that's still like an active participating method of worship for me as opposed to you know on a sunday where i'm in the congregation and Mm -hmm. you know sometimes i'm singing but other times like i take Mm -hmm. you know just breaks to reflect and other things like that and there's definitely a huge difference in actively participating versus um i don't know if it's spectating necessarily but just taking a more relaxed approach Mm. to it if that makes sense yeah yeah what do you think well, I think about phys- the physicality. Um, I related to to playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, you can en- you can enjoy and appreciate great music that you're listening to and recording, and even give thanks to God and please Him in that enjoying art and music. Yeah. But there's another level, another way of expressing it and connecting it and giving it to God when you can make it yourself. Huh. Right. So just like just like you say, singing with your voice, the physicality of singing, you want to do that you feel like you need that instead of just in your head yep, yep. the lyrics it's like that with playing the piano too it's like to make musical it's like i can do it and it's physical and it's like a part of yeah me. It's, can, it's maybe like that that makes a lot of sense to me actually yeah that makes a lot of sense um how do you think people get off track when it comes to worship through singing like in not just in how they are doing it but in in like our way of thinking about it because there's all, all whole sorts of you know, it could be in like the actual act of sitting and mm. being in the room and, and and expressing our worship, but also just in the way we think about worship. How can people get sort of off track? Well, quick thing that comes yeah. to my mind yeah. is focusing on the singer instead of the song, mm. so to speak, or focusing on the environment instead of the spirit. And I know that's, you know, a challenge mm. in our culture and we use physical, visual things all that, um, but you know, our worship is about focusing on Christ. And yeah, we have leaders and musicians and people up there, and you see them. Yeah. Um, but when the focus is that, that's not the. It's not your focus on on God. So yeah, I think that's yeah. how we get off track. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think another way that even just happens internally is when we start to mistake. You know, oh, this this song or this style is not my heart language, therefore I can't engage in worship authentically. And I think, you know, for me, it's like even talking about that, you know, personal worship, like I can, you know, how I worship on my own in the car, like the songs that I choose for that are much different at times. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes there's, you know, they're the same, but at times are different from the songs that I choose to lead mm-hmm. or that we even sing here on Sunday mornings. It, it's a, you know, sometimes it's a style thing. Some, it just depends, but coming in into here, 
Like I would never say that, oh, because this song doesn't rock hard enough or whatever, like the, you know, my preference is it, it doesn't connect me to the Lord. And I think even going back to what you said about, you know, not wanting to offer anything to the Lord that doesn't cost me something. I think it's, it's an actual act of worship by even us just walking through the door and acknowledging, okay, this style of music or whatever it might be is not my personal preference, but yeah. I'm going to choose to engage with it anyway because of the greater good that it's doing for the body at large. Yeah. yeah. I think related to that, people can get off track uh, too when we when we sometimes have the sense or feeling like, oh, this music or this, whatever we're doing in a service, it doesn't connect with my heart. How can this be pleasing to God? Right, and right. I think it's, it's e- too easy for us to presume because it doesn't, th- there's not a language there that, that connects with us and it's hard for us to understand how this could be meaningful to someone else to to just presume on that. You know, I think that's when we can get off track. It takes a lot of grace and deference in the body of Christ, especially multi-generational because we have such different perspective in what touches our heart in music and worship and to Hmm. come with that sort of deference and love for the family and for all of this that, Hey, it's, it's, it's okay. I want to be a part of, even though I'm not connecting in this moment, I trust God that he can use this part in, in the life of someone else in our body. And it's all, it's all good because we're together in Christ, unified in the spirit. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I, I totally recognize that even for myself because, of course, we all, no one can say they don't, I feel like. We all have songs we like mm-hmm. and we all have songs we don't like. That is universal. Like We all are going to have that. And then we could have that on any sort of given Sunday morning. Like, you know, we're going to have songs we like and songs we don't like. But what I've really had to like choose to do myself too is like this thing of like when it's a song I don't like sometimes I'll I'll find myself disengaging almost and then I'll say no 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 almost like if you're like working out and you find yourself like going to like you run in and you run you start running too slow you're mm-hmm. like no 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 speed up you know mm-hmm. it's like yeah. it's kind of that moment for me with like with singing like nope engage Lord, this is for you. I know yeah. that I don't like this song, but that's so yeah. like almost telling myself that's so stupid. Like it's not yeah. what this is about, you know? Yeah, like this service is not for me. Yeah. This is ultimately for God, but for us. Yep. It's different. Me and us. Yes. Yeah. Right. I think that's the challenge as worship leaders is because we want to, you know, continue to teach and emphasize this idea that our worship time as a corporate body is not aimed to please or, uh, check off any boxes of heart language or preference but at the same time out of that love for the body and the community that we serve and that we lead there is this desire to at least give something Mm -hmm. for you know every group of people in the service and obviously we don't always hit that and that's not our main goal by any means but there is that desire to okay, because I have a heart for these people and I want to help them engage in the best way that I can, Hmm. you know, I will, you know, even as a leader, I will sing a song that I don't necessarily prefer, but I know that this pocket of people in our, you know, in our congregation have a, you know, this is how they really connect to God. This is something that, you know, either takes them back or, you know, whether it be to like growing up or a specific moment in their life that God met them through this song or through the theme of this song. Um, so it's a, it's a delicate balance. And we wrestle with it, right? It's a challenge. We're all on the same team together, worship planning, and especially yeah. for us in music. I mean, yeah, we, we wrestle. It's a, it's, a cha- it's a challenge, right, to, f- to find that, in a sense, what's the heart language for this community as we are like now today. And it's nothing that you ever sort of ever figure out or dial in. I've been doing this right. for 35 yeah. years, and I'm humbled by the challenge that <laughs> is continually there. So it's like, it's, I guess that's our shepherding role. It's like trying to know our sheep. And uh, be led by the Spirit to help guide when it comes to these musicality challenges in worship language. And I think that's where even songwriting can become a really powerful thing of writing songs for your church, for your body of believers. Because, yeah, there's, you know, we are in in an age today where the worship music market is just saturated. There's so much stuff coming out Hmm. all the time, just so much new music. Um, But, like, you know, some of the songs that become really popular at some churches would never work for our congregation. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, differences in culture and, Mm -hmm. you know, people and demographic. But I think when you can tap into this art of writing songs that are specifically out of a theme that has been really prevalent in your congregation, you know, style aside, at least the content and the theme of the song, 
everyone in the room, you know, who's been a part of this family of believers can unite around that and say, okay, yeah, I see God working in this particular way because we've all been experiencing it together. And that becomes a super powerful thing. Yeah. 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 That's exciting. Calvary. Maybe that's something newer that we could experience more and discover in the years and months and years ahead. Yeah. I love that. We haven't done that a lot, but I know like Josh has written a couple songs and things that we've actually used on Sunday a little bit. That's right. So love to engage more yeah for sure too. for sure and it seems like we've had some connection even with some of the, like we've added a, a verse or added a chorus to a song or whatever mm-hmm. like that that you guys have written and i think it's been really good so yeah. um good. all right let me let me ask this question since we're kind of on this whole thing a little bit of some of these differences and stuff i think it's it's so interesting the two of you because i think the two of you work so well together but you guys really are you're almost four decades apart in age. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. They just high five. They're almost four decades apart in age. And, and, but it really seems to work. Like, how does that work and why? Like, why do you guys think that works? Ron, why don't you go first? Well, yeah, sure. I, as I thought about this, it is such a neat thing. I just smile to think about it because in a way, Josh and I have so much in common when I think about our yeah. growing up experience, Christian home and how our parents encourage us in music. And even though our paths are a little different. So it's, it's so funny. I can look at, Josh in his 20s and just remember, you know, my life, it was a different era, different music, but so much I, I remember and identify with where he was at, young married and all that. So right. I, I just remember that. But I don't know. I, I think that I think two things come to mind when I think of uh, how we work good together. I think it's two things. I think it's mutual respect. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I have I'm, I'm comfortable in my musical sort of way and chops and it's been really neat to have because Josh is very gifted musically and it's fun to be able to sort of speak the same language. Yeah. yeah. And so I I, res- I respect his talent and he has he has like perfect pitch. That's something weight which blows me away that, that I don't I don't have. But so I think just that respect and I feel and I feel like Josh, you know, I feel his appreciation and his respect and it's an encouragement to me. I feel like, you know, I'm not dismissed like the old guy with the new talent coming in. Right. And so I, I appreciate that. And so I think that's a key part of it. And the second thing I think about is that it takes humility and openness to learn. Mm. Yeah. And so, and I've, and I've had to, you know, that's how God has stretched me too. Sure. Like to be, to be humble that, Hey, even, even though here's someone that's so much younger than me to say, Hey, I can, I can learn from a guy like this. And really Josh has helped me musically to connect a little better with a modern worship genre a little bit and has even helped me coach me on how I play. Like I have a lot of whatever experience and dexterity at the piano, yeah. but it's like his, like to help, he helps me understand better how to play in this like the way it'll way. fit in that kind of song or whatever exactly yeah. it's okay. like he's expand. it's like oh okay i can do that you know it's like so but you know it takes an openness to learn so and i feel like he's you know i'm able to influence him and show him stuff too so i think That's it's cool. that mutual respect and humility and openness to learn yeah, yeah absolutely i think you know obviously like like you said i mean like just having a mutual respect for for talent and ability and all those things i think one of the things that i've like walked in and immediately have respected a lot about you and still do to this day is you have earned the love and respect of the people of Calvary church. You have led here faithfully for, you know, over 20 years and that there are not a lot of worship pastors, pastors really like at all, like in any (laughs) field of ministry that can say that they have that type of tenure at one specific, you know, body or community. And I I think just even working with you in the ways that we plan services and choose songs and all that, all the things that you do when planning a service come, it, it's an overflow through the filter of a love, a deep love and care for the people of this church. And every decision you make is, is revolved around, okay, how do we connect to the body at large? How do we connect with all the people. And like we said earlier, it doesn't always work out perfectly and, you know, how we would wish for it to. Um, but generally I feel like, you know, your, your main goal is how can I connect these people that I genuinely love to the heart of the father that I truly and deeply love? Like you, you have these two great loves for people in the Lord and you want them to unite together in the most beautiful way possible through something, you know, like music that you have a lot of skill, but also a lot of, you know, great passion and love for. And I think, you know, as a young pastor, you know, kind of just having started his full-time ministry, 
um, that's like one of the, you know, most important traits I think is, you know, you've had such longevity, like, yes, you're talented. Yes, you're skilled. You're a great leader, but none of that, like all of that pales in comparison to the amount of love that you have for the people that you've been serving for such a long time. And I think that's, um, for any leader in general, but especially people in ministry, that's like such an important thing to have. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree with that. All of that about both of you. It's awesome. And I think it's, it's so wild to me. Like I remember watching Ron and like watching him play piano just like before like a, a memorial service or something. And you're just like, Whoa, if he just gets to like play, yeah. look at him go, you know, <laughs> you're just yeah. kind of blown away at how he can play just his, his excellence at playing the piano. And then I remember one time I was at a, um, we were at a, like a pastor camp kind of thing, like a pastoral retreat. And he's got, um, I, I just see him like writing on like a piece of paper and he's just kind of sitting there with no instruments or nothing. And he's just writing. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm like writing the musical. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm writing the musical. And I'm just like, but what do you mean? Like, what does that sound like? He's like, well, no, I can just tell what it sounds like by writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, what? You're just sitting here like at a table at the side of this like pastry tree writing a musical. It's crazy. So cool. You know? And so oh, I don't know, just funny. those kind of skills. And then, and then, you know, you think about Josh and he plays like five instruments and yeah, that perfect amazing. pitch thing. And it's crazy. We always mess with him and try to make him like, you know, name that, <laughs> name that pitch essentially, you know, yeah. <laughs> name that tune, name that pitch. But yeah. like, so within this, Ron, what are your, when you think about this and you guys, you know, coming together from these different generations, but like, what are your, some of your hopes for the younger generations when it comes to worship, you know? Mm. Um, well, I guess first about the church, like, I guess I have the hope for the younger generation to like not leave the local church. You know how you always hear the statistics, yeah. right? Generally so many young adults after high school, if they grow up in church, so many leave in a sense, the fellowship of the local church. Um, that's, and that's related to worship because we, you know, worship together. Yeah. I guess my hope for the younger generation is to not leave the local church. And as it relates to worship music and the worship, it's like, don't like, don't leave the multi-generational gathering of our church yeah. Sunday morning. It's so easy to just hang with your peers and to, especially when it comes to worship and music, yep. it's so easy to just connect with your worship music that really connects with your heart and your peers and of course, that's a good thing. I'm not saying that that's not a good thing in your life, but it's not the only thing. I would just hope and wish for the younger generation to catch vision of the value of the family of God, the unity of the church yeah. in the spirit, and and to be able to have an openness to connect in the fellowship and in worship with the mm. older generation, mm-hmm. with music and forms and ways that are not maybe they're normal or it's not cool to them it's not normal but totally. to expand the heart and view yeah absolutely connect with the bigger church and then what do you think josh for you when you think of even maybe some of the older generations you know like any thoughts that you your hopes for them yeah i think the main thing that i would desire for them to hear is that in the midst of all the change and the things that you know the new things that are being done in the church you know specifically at calvary but even as a whole I just want to like encourage amidst the change that they are not forgotten Mm -hmm. and that they are not, you know, we have not lost an appreciation or value for them. Um, kind of like what you're saying, Ron, with, you know, desiring that the younger generation not leave the church that is for sure, um, more likely to, you know, not be the case if the older generation is willing to step in and take the younger generation, you know, under their wings and say, Hey, you know, this is what following Christ for a long time over, you know, an extended period of life looks like. Let me walk alongside you and teach you how to do that. And also just showing genuine care, like, Hey, even though your songs and the things you do in life may not, you know, connect well with me or my personal preferences, you're still a person. And I have an appreciation for you as a brother, as a sister Mm -hmm. in Christ. And just even practically how that plays out in our, you know, worship gathering. I think we, we have such a cool opportunity here at Calvary to literally like you look over this giant room that we have and you see the faces of so many different people from so many ages and backgrounds. And at any given point you can, you can look around and you can look around you and see someone different from you. And the thing I tell our younger generation or our college group, even a lot is, Hey, on a hymn, whenever we sing hymns or older songs that you don't know, 
it's okay if you don't know them and that may not necessarily want to try and sing them because there's so many words or whatever. But what I encourage you to do is during that moment, take a look around you and see all of the people who mm. do know this song and who do connect with it. Just watch them go, watch <laughs> yeah. them engage so with it, true. watch them celebrate the Lord's faithfulness in that moment because yeah. it's a beautiful picture. And so I guess even to turn that around, like yeah. for the older generation, like, yes, new songs are here, new songs are being sung. And like, you know, sometimes they're hard to follow or sometimes they're hard to connect with. But even in those moments, don't feel bad about not connecting with it personally, yeah. but take that moment to look around and see all of the younger people who are lifting their hands, who are passionately worshiping. Because if we have a desire to see the younger generation staying in the church and making the church a priority, yep. this is the type of stuff that draws them in to do that and like makes it, makes it an environment for them that is more comfortable and more, you know, yeah. you know, that's to engage good. with. So, yeah, that's really good. Mm -hmm. So we've praised your musical talents, but I also just think maybe now everybody's like also able to praise your guys, uh, your thinking and your philosophical minds when it comes to this as well. You're not just people that sit around all week and just kind of pick five songs and show up on a Sunday morning, you know, uh, it's like how people ask me if I work, um, what do I do the rest of the week yeah. if I just work on Sundays, you know, but no, I just, I appreciate the way that you guys come to this. And so just as we close, you know, what, what would be just kind of some final thoughts you have for people when it comes to worship through singing? We'll start with you, Ron. Yeah. My, I guess, final thought, hope and desire is, is that we can understand and have a vision of the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What is it in Ephesians 4, right? The Apostle Paul's prayer. Mm -hmm. It's like as a, as a community of faith, as a church, we're going to be unified and want to be, need to be unified in the Spirit. We can't be unified around us, our, a certain preference, a certain style of music or form or way that we worship corporately. Yeah. But somehow the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, when we're surrendered to him individually and as a church community can transcend some of those differences and smooth off those rev edges to help us be together that there's something beautiful about the spirit. And so that's, that, that's my hope. And to, you know, I think my favorite scripture verse is uh, Romans 15 there about, you know, uh, glorifying him with one voice, with one heart. Hmm. And it says the verse after that, accept one another then in order to bring praise to God. Hmm. So that, wow accepting one another in the spirit is sort of a qualifier there to in order to praise him that's good and so i just have that hope and desire for our church for my life for us to be unified in the spirit yeah in our worship yeah and i encourage everybody to pray for that like seek the yeah. seek god seek the holy spirit for that for our church because yeah. this is a spiritual battleground i think yeah. the great irony about singing and worship is that on one hand singing is the great unifier yeah. It's something we can all do. You know, whether you're a good singer or bad singer, it doesn't matter. You have a voice and an instrument to praise God. Hmm. So singing can unify us because it's the one thing we can all do together. Yeah. But, the, but of course, it's the great divider, too, because worship music, because it's so, music is so close to our heart and how we connect with God. It's like the enemy gets in there so quick mm. and easy to divide us. Mm. Yeah. So it's such a strange irony that music can be unifying and so dividing. So this is a spiritual battleground. Yeah. It's like we need to pray in the name of Jesus Christ over this church and over our community hmm. for a victory in the heavenlies, in the spirit for this to this unity to come. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Josh? Um, yeah, I would just say coming off of that, like the enemy thrives on our isolation and on our division and I, one of the coolest stories that I've ever heard is uh, from a guy in our church uh, who lost his dad at a pretty young age. And um, the first thing that he did when he got that news was he got a bunch of his friends together and they just started singing worship songs mm -hmm. and just hearing the testimony of the impact that that had for him in that moment and for um, even just the community, his community around him who were hurting for him just to be able to rally around the praise of God, even in the midst of that darkness. And I think the enemy throughout the week is constantly trying to divide us, whether it's, you know, troubles with finances or arguments with family members or whatever. Mm -hmm. We're all carrying different things into Sunday morning when we come here. And I think that the important thing to remember is that you know, not just gathering together as a community, because yes, that helps, you know, being with other Christian people and other believers uh, who are like-minded that that's helpful, but we take it a step further when we start singing his truths, when we start proclaiming the truths of God, 
um, there's immense power in that. And there is there it is a it is the greatest unifier. Um, and so I think just the important thing to remember is there there is power in singing. It's not just coming and singing songs, some that we don't like, some that we do like. But the truths of these songs are doing a miraculous unification and healing that even if we don't see it play out right away, there's so much happening internally and in the spiritual that that we may you know we may never see with our own eyes but through even just throughout the room even if you don't feel it in yourself there there are chains being broken off in the room as we sing these truths that that free us from the lies that the enemy tries to put in our head through the week so that's good that's good i think it's great um way for us to close and it's just this this importance and this power that is in this whole thing that that we call worship that we take part in, that we do, that we have this time with the Lord and with one another. And it's a beautiful thing. And so we've been talking about it. This has been two episodes now talking about worship and we're going to have one more next week. Um, and excited for you just to keep learning and growing as we talk through, uh, worship. So thank you, Josh. Thank you, Ron, for being here. Um, and thanks for listening to the Calvary life podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary life podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.